how many of you remember the first time you had to learn to use a washing machine? Strange question I know to ask, but it's almost like a rite of passage for every university student, every young person, and maybe every husband. Um, I know our mothers really pamper us, don't they? Um, how many of you remember the first time you had to operate a washing machine? How many of you have a horror story from using a washing machine? Clothes turning pink, your wife's favorite jumper shrinking to the size of a teddy bear's. Those are the kind of things I think, maybe some of you students haven't quite got there to use a washing machine yet, but um, hopefully you have. Um, I just want to show a video, actually. I just want to show a video, and hopefully it just starts our thinking this morning as we think about uh, this passage in Mark. Don't you love the 80s? Hey. I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, and um, I don't remember the advert because I was probably four years old. Um, but what I do remember is the first time I had to use a washing machine. Um, they're pretty complex devices, aren't they? You don't just put clothes in and push a button. There's, there's temperatures, then there's synthetics, and then there's cotton, and then there's wool function, and then there's other functions, and there's slow, then there's dry, and then there's spin cycles, and then there's rinse cycles, and then there's compartments. What goes in what? Liquid, powder? Uh, I've had horror stories using washing machines. I certainly have. And uh, all I can remember the first time I used a washing machine was, I just want to clean my clothes. I just want my clothes to be clean. But it seemed like there was so much that had to happen before I could actually get my cleans, my whites, white again. And this morning, we're, we're looking at a passage in the book of Mark, and we've been going through the, the Gospel of Mark, uh, and we've been looking through the portrait of Jesus. And part of my thinking today, and part of what I want to share today, is a story about a man who needed to be made clean. I don't know how many of you realize, but... Uh, Jesus uh, came to bring good news. Jesus came to bring the good news of the kingdom. And one of the things about the kingdom that needs to happen is that we who are unclean need to be made clean. And we're going to look into that a little bit today. And we're not talking about dirty clothes. We're not talking about if we've been playing rugby on the weekend and we come back and our clothes are soiled and our knees are muddy uh, or your kids' knees are muddy and, and they're just trying, to, and just trying to keep the mud from spreading. We're not talking about that uncleanness. We're talking about an internal uncleanness that each of us as human beings has. Each of us as human beings experience the effects of uncleanness in our lives and each of us needs the forgiveness and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus Christ to deal with our uncleanness. So if you're looking in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're looking at chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at that today. 
Um, this, this, this story, and it's called the story of the cleansing of the leper, is quite well, well documented. It's documented in three of the Gospels, in Mark, in Luke, and in Matthew as well. And it comes after a period of time where in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus has just preached through the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, the famous sermon. And uh, he comes down from the mountain and he's encountered with a leper. Um, in the book of Luke, um, it's also documented there. But in also in the book of Mark, as we've been looking through it, uh, it has come after a period where Jesus has just started his ministry, his public ministry. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've preached through that, but the, the things that have happened since, uh, previous to this chapter, uh, previous to this verses, is that uh, Jesus has gone into the synagogue and he's preached the good news of the kingdom. He says, repent and believe. The kingdom is here. And people with, who are demon-possessed uh, and have evil spirits in them are cast out. Demon spirits are cast out from people. And everybody's seeing the miraculous, the miraculous power and authority that Jesus has over life. And after that, Jesus, after he's done that kind of public demonstration, people are bringing sick people to him, people are bringing those who are needy, and, but he also goes to a private place. He goes to a private place where he goes and sees Simon's uh, mother-in-law, and she's lying sick with a fever, and we read about that in the last few weeks, and it says that he went in, he touched her, and she, her fever was removed. And then Jesus says this important thing, this is a really important thing, because sometimes in the Gospels, we get so caught up in the miraculous events of what happens in Jesus' life that we forget sometimes that he has a key message that he needs to bring and each of us needs to hear. And Jesus says in the Gospels that he came to preach. He came to bring a message. He came to bring good news of the kingdom to us. And that good news comes also with signs and miracles. But the signs and miracles that's what they are. They are signs towards pointing towards a greater truth, a greater message that we need to hear. And I believe in this passage here where Jesus uh, meets the need of a desperate man, he does meet a need, but he also brings a deeper message that each of us and all of creation, all of us as humanity needs to hear that Jesus Christ can make us clean. So as we do, let's pray, let's just uh, read the passage, and let's just pray before we start. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you bring the words of Jesus and the documentation of this, of this word, this, this gospel, to our lives. And I pray, Lord, as we receive it this morning, you would humble our hearts to receive it with joy. But also, God, you meet our needs, and I pray that you would meet the needs of my friends here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we start to read the passage, we're going to start from verse 40. We're just going to read it together, and uh, then I'm going to bring a bit of commentary to it as we go through. So reading from Mark 1, verse 40, it says this. A leper came to Jesus, and imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus sternly charged the man and said to him away, sent him away at once, saying to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer, and, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town 
but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So the first thing I want to bring this morning is hopefully just a bit of understanding about what it was like to be a leper in those times, in biblical times. Um, For us, I think leprosy probably isn't something that we see every day. Uh, Many of us uh, walking through our jobs or walking to university or going on our our school runs every morning probably don't see people with with leprosy. Um, But it says here plainly in the Bible that Jesus encountered a person who was a leper. So we need to consider what, what that meant for the man until he came to Jesus. Um, the word leper or leprosy is used in the Bible, uh, in the Gospels, for, as synonymous for a number of different skin diseases. We understand leprosy through modern-day medical knowledge now as, as a thing called Hansen's disease, which is a specific uh, bacterial infection that affects people. But um, in the Bible, it uses leprosy as a, as a term for any kind of skin, uh, skin cancer. So it could be... It could be um, it could be boils, it could be acne, it could be uh, as severe as having a disease like leprosy. And leprosy itself uh, was, it was a terrible condition, um, and there was, there, was no, there, was little, there was no cure at the time. And what leprosy does, uh, what leprosy is in its, in its form is Hansen's disease, is a type of disease where um, this, this bacteria affects the nerve endings and the skin of, of a person, so much so that because the nervous system is being attacked, the sensitivity on things like the extremities of your body, like your toes and your fingers, would be lost. So you would be uh, effectively, you'd lose sensitivity in, the, in your fingertips, you'd lose sensitivity in, your, in things like your eyes and things like that, and, and you wouldn't be able to notice things like pain or cuts or bruises. And leprosy itself wasn't the thing that destroyed a person, it was a lack of sensitivity in a body that meant that a person couldn't take care of themselves. They couldn't look after their limbs. I'm not sure about you, how many times you've kind of walked along, you've stubbed your toe on the corner of a, of a chair or a table, and you know, ouch, it hurts. Or you're there chopping away, and you're listening and singing along to your favorite song while making dinner, and you cut the end of your, your fingers, and you feel it, don't you? Or you're there studying and you, 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 you are looking through your pages and you have a paper cut and you're, ouch, it hurts. A person who had leprosy lost the ability to feel those things. And it meant that over time, the body wouldn't recognize the pain. And they wouldn't be able to look after the body. And over time, as the body was deteriorating, as the nerve endings were deteriorating even further, people would lose limbs. They would lose the ability to, to function. Their hands and their muscles would seize up and you'd get this claw function. Uh, and if you see anyone with modern-day leprosy, you will notice that a lot of them have lost eyelids because a speck of dust would get in their eyes. They wouldn't know it's there. They wouldn't be able to clean it out. And over time, blindness, coarseness of the voice, um, limbs would be lost. Eyebrows would fall off. All of these things paint a picture of a destructive and hopeless situation that this man who came to Jesus with. Thankfully, today in modern day world, we, we don't. There is cures for leprosy. Apparently, um, only 95% of us, uh, 95% of us, are already immune to it. That's that's a good thing. But uh, imagine if you were this man. We don't know his backstory. We don't know his history. But we can almost understand his situation. Imagine if he was a father. Imagine he was a husband. The priest would come when he notices that first blotch or that first um, wound that wouldn't heal. 
and it will be identified as being leprosy or a type of skin disease. And he would automatically at that time be separated and segregated from his family, his loved ones, from society, and placed in isolation until that skin disease or, or that blemish cleaned, cleared up. But for those of us who know leprosy, it was not something that could be healed through the, through the medical help that they had at the time. It was something that deteriorated his body. So you can imagine if he was a father, as soon as it was pronounced over him, leprosy, you're unclean, he was separated from his family. He had to live in isolation, separate from those he loved. He couldn't hug them. He couldn't kiss them goodbye. His life now had taken a totally different course. It led to his physical debilitation of his body. His body would deteriorate. It was, there was no cure. It would lead ultimately to death. Secondly, as we said already, it led, it, having leprosy would mean that he would live in isolation from society, from his loved ones, not just from loved ones, but from everyone. It says this in Leviticus uh, 13 in the Old Testament. This is the law that's given to those who have a leprous disease. It says, a leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, and they will let their hair of their head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside of the camp. So automatically we know this man is now labeled. He doesn't just have a disease. He is now a leper. And I don't know how many of us have ever been labeled with something, or maybe we have labeled ourselves with uh, something that because of what society has given us, he becomes his identity now. He is no longer Edmund or Helen. He is now literally labeled unclean, where he has to go around anytime he enters in society. He has to shout, unclean, unclean, so that people know that they have to avoid him. This is the desperate situation he's in. He's physically debilitated. He's isolated and segregated. He's emotionally scarred by this identity. But also, he's spiritually abandoned. Now, uh, you say they were ignorant at the time, but some skin diseases were infectious, and they could spread. We know that leprosy nowadays is, is, is slightly infectious, but it can also be cured. But for anybody who had leprosy or had a skin disease, they, they were seen as being punished by God or punished by a higher power. They were seen and they were blamed for having it. Can you imagine the spiritual abandonment that this person feels, being separated from his loved ones, body wasting away? His situation is truly hopeless. And this is the man who comes and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. But that's what he does. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation where you felt totally hopeless, helpless, without a way forwards, without a hope and a future. And for, for many of us, um, I know in my life, we, we avoid those situations, don't we? We avoid it, um, and we choose to live life in a way where we avoid pain, we avoid suffering, we avoid trials and tribulations, because it's not a nice place to be. It's not a great place to be to have no hope. But sometimes in life, it, 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 that's what life does to us. It brings us situations that we don't want to be in. And it brings us situations where we find ourselves without hope, without 
um, a cure. And the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do when those situations come? What do we do when we can't find hope in ourselves? And we try to be strong, but we don't have that ability anymore. Maybe it's not a physical ailment. Many of us have had physical ailments or have them. But maybe it's, uh, maybe it's like our mental health, something that we can't necessarily control. It's, it's a sickness. It's something that has, affects us. Maybe it's relational strife that has come into our lives. Again, not something that we would ever wish on ourselves, but it happens because of our culture and because of the nature of our sinful nature. Maybe it's a pattern of sin in our lives right now where we know things are unhelpful. We know what we're doing in our lives is destructive, just like leprosy, eating whatever's inside. What do we do with it? And our condition is, is like the leper. I think all of us can identify with something like that, can't we? Where we can identify that we, like the leper, have often, and maybe we still do, have felt helpless, alone, abandoned, isolated, shamed, defined by our brokenness and our sin. But this is what the leper does. This is what he does. It says that he fell before Jesus. He fell before the Lord. Now, we don't know, maybe he, he'd heard something about Jesus. Maybe we can maybe explore the idea that maybe he was there sitting on the edges of the, of the crowd, hearing about how Jesus on this, the Beatitudes was saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Maybe he was there hearing about the, the healing of the demon-possessed man. Maybe he's heard something about this Jesus, but whatever he has heard, he's trusted and he's taken to heart. And he's come before the one which he believes in as being one who can make him clean. This is what he says. This is what's very words to Jesus. He says to him, kneeling before him, he says, If you will, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. You can help me in my situation. And I want to bring out just a few things of just that short statement, what that means for the man. Firstly, he comes to Jesus. It is his point of call. He's drawn to Jesus. Secondly, he comes humbly. He comes on his knees. He doesn't come with his own opinion. Jesus, I heard you can do this. Why don't you do it for me? He doesn't come with that attitude. He comes with humility and with a brokenness. And he comes in worship. He kneels down before Jesus and says, here I am, Lord. And thirdly, he comes with faith. He comes and says, you can do this. He doesn't doubt Jesus' ability. He doesn't claim Jesus' ability for himself. He says and asks and he puts all of that, all of that trust onto Jesus. Let's just consider what he's asking of Jesus by saying, you can. By saying, you can, Jesus, he's saying this. He's saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can restore me to my family, my community, my place in society. Lord, if you're willing, you can restore me again into worship and the presence of God. Lord, if you're willing, you can cleanse me from this disease, this power of evil in my life that is destroying me and leading me to death. Lord, if you're willing, you can defeat death that is set in my body right now. Lord, if you're willing, you can do what the law, you can do what religion cannot do. Rather than judging me, you can change me. And I don't know if how many of us have been in a situation where we felt the weight of our situations. We felt the weight of our, uh, our, our, our brokenness. And whether we've said, 
God, I can't handle this. I'm going to place it all on you. Because that's who you said you are. You said you are the Lord. You said you are the sovereign one. And Jesus, I'm trusting you with everything I have and everything that I am. Lord, you can do it. So there's three th- a few things we can learn about from the leper, can't we? There's a few things that we can learn straight away. Firstly, we don't have to pretend to be all right. Uh, what's, the, what's the greatest question we ask in the church? How are you? <laughs> um, yes, normally, uh, hopefully most of us are all right and we're doing okay. But sometimes in life, we're, we're not. Sometimes we're in life, we're not. And uh, what do we do with that? Do we hide it? Do we try and hide, you could say, our leprosy? Or do we choose to bring it towards Jesus? I love what Annika brought. You know, she's, she said she, she wasn't in a good place this week, but she brought it to the Lord. That's, that's a wonderful place to be, isn't it? And the Lord, in his faithfulness, speaks truth and encouragement to us. And that's what we, we must learn to do, is to come at the first point of call. Last week, Anna was preaching about prayer, the importance of, of prayer and preaching in our lives. Yes, we must preach, we must tell others about Jesus, but we also have to have a place of intimacy with the Lord, where we come as we are. Not presumptuous, not saying, this is my agenda, Lord, but saying, God, what is your agenda for my life? I can't do life on my own, and I need you. How many of us have been to a place where we just come before the Lord and say, this is who I am, Lord. This is my need. We must learn to come to Jesus. We must learn to come humbly, and we must learn to come with faith. Put all your trust on the Lord. Put all that weight onto him, because that's what he came to do, to take it on himself. Um, this week has been an interesting one for me. Whenever you're, you're preparing for, for a talk or a, a, a sermon, there's almost like a section of your capacity that almost gets taken away because things are always on your mind, praying for the, the message and, and reading and trying to hold information in your head. And uh, this week was hard for me. It was really hard to try and hold everything in my life uh, together. Uh, and it got me to a point where I just had to go, Lord, you know, just I, I'll do my best. I, I can't predict what's going to happen on Sunday, but also I've got to do my work. I've got to look after my kids and take care of my wife and all these other things. But God, I, I just come to you and I just say in the mor- in every morning this week, you know, just as Aunt was encouraging us last week, come before him. It doesn't have to be a major thing. It's just who we are that the Lord wants. Come before him. He receives us. And this is, what, this is how Jesus received the man who had leprosy. It says this, and this is only mentioned in the book of Mark, and this is why I love this gospel. It says, Jesus, moved with pity, put forth his hand and touched him. Now that phrase, moved with pity, or other translations may say, moved with compassion. It is a, is a wonderful picture of who our God is, moved with compassion and pity. Um, it's more than just a feeling of sorrow. You can imagine the man coming towards him and saying, Jesus, I'm looking for you. Jesus didn't just go, um, oh, sorry, mate, and shrugged his shoulders. The word compassion, the word moved with pity is 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 a word that describes his inner bowels, the gut, that, that place of, of groaning and pain in your inner being, being affected. Being affected by the man's condition, being affected by this man's throwing himself before him. This is the place where Jesus responds. He responds out of a great groaning and great um, 
feeling of, of deep feeling of, of compassion towards this man. Sorry about the microphone. <laughs> um, what we find is that whenever Jesus heals people, is it me or is it it's me? I'll, I'll stop moving around maybe. <laughs> uh, whenever we see Jesus um, meeting people and the healing, it's not never out of a shrug of the shoulder. It's out of compassion that he does these things. We read it in, in Matthew 6 where it says, when Jesus saw the crowd and they were harassed like sheep uh, without a shepherd, it says that he had compassion on them. In Matthew 14, it says, when Jesus went ashore, he had compassion on the people, the crowd, and he healed their sick. He healed the blind, the paralyzed, and, uh, and they followed him. Does this work? Great. In Matthew 20, it says the blind men, um, he met two blind men on the road to Jericho. And again, the words come again, Jesus had pity on them and he touched their eyes and immediately their sight was recovered and restored. In Luke 7, it says this, that there was a widow, a woman who'd already lost her husband and probably a great deal more. But now her son had died as well. And it says Jesus saw her. He looked on her and had compassion on her and said, I will heal your son. Luke 10, it says this, when he saw people who were harassed and hurting, he had compassion on him. This is who our God is. In our hurting and brokenness, he comes not with a shrug of a shoulder. He comes with compassion. He comes with mercy. He comes and he identifies with us. Some of us here have gone through loss before, I'm sure. Um, some of us have gone through times where our friends or our loved ones had gone through loss. And I'm not sure about you, but, but what happens is when else, whenever someone we, we love has lost something or someone, what we feel when we come to them is that deep groaning of compassion for those who have lost someone. And that's something that Jesus has for us as well. That feeling of, you know, when you put your arm around someone who's hurting or, or in desperate situation, you don't just go shrug your shoulder. You, you feel something inside of you, don't you? You feel an identity. You're identifying with the pain and, and the hurt of that person. And that is exactly what Jesus does for us as well. Jesus, when he comes to us with compassion, it's, it's a sign of him coming and choosing to suffer alongside with us. It's choosing to say, if you are lost, just like we had the story of the prodigal son, the father feels the lost as the son is lost as well. When Jesus heals uh, the woman with, uh, with, with, heals the woman with uh, the widow, sorry, with bearing her son, he feels the loss of that woman as well and identifies and also heals her. So our God always comes with compassion. He always comes with mercy. He always comes with a heart that is towards us, with arms open wide. And that is a God that we have to trust. It says this in Hebrews. Hebrews 4 says this. We do not have a priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. Let us then draw confidently towards the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God's compassion means that he has moved 
into our humanity as well. That is what drove Jesus to come as a baby at Christmas time. That is what caused him to come and live a life alongside us so that we would know that there's a God who is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, God in our situations, God knowing what it means to be abandoned, God knowing what it means to lose somebody, God knowing what it means to be betrayed, God knowing what it means for us to experience loss and death and pain. That is the God that we have, and that's whom we are invited to come and know and walk alongside. So Jesus comes with compassion. He's moved by mercy, but he also chooses to do something that nobody in their right mind would do when they met a leper. He chose to reach out, and the word reach out wasn't just touch with, like, you know, the smallest part of your body, like your pinky. He reached out and took hold of the man. That's the word it uses. He took hold of him and said, I will, I am willing. And he declares over him, be clean. Now the power of words in Jesus' mouth is powerful. With that, he created the world. With that, he, he stilled the storms. But with that, he also cleanses those who are unclean. The man didn't need to be touched. Jesus could have just said it like that. He's done it many times before where he heals a man or heals a situation just by speaking. But in this particular situation, he chooses to reach out his hand, touch a man who is untouchable, and declares over him, you are clean. What does that mean for us? I think what it means for us is that Jesus knows what we need. He knows what this man needs. Can you imagine... Luke says that this is a man full of leprosy, which probably means he's had leprosy not for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It's probably something that has riddled his life. He's probably been in this situation for decades without anybody touching him, without people avoiding him. But the God of the universe chooses to reach down, take hold of him, and touch him, and break decades of isolation. And that is what our Savior does. He reaches into our lives. He reaches down to us and touches us where we need that touch. For the leper, it was a touch of cleansing and restoration. For others of us, maybe we need the touch of Jesus for forgiveness. Maybe we need the touch of Jesus for peace. Maybe we need the touch of Jesus for wisdom in our situations. Maybe we need the touch of Jesus in reassuring that we are his children. But all I can tell you is this, when Jesus touched my life, firstly, it is personal. It is for me, and it's for you. It's personal, and it's powerful. How many of us here are hungering for the touch of Jesus in our lives? How many of us know that we need him every single day to reach out, reach into our lives, our situations, as we give them to him, to be both personal and also powerful for him to work? And this is what our Savior does. And for the man, what it meant for him was not that he was no longer unclean. Jesus transformed his whole situation. He wouldn't go now, he wouldn't have to go through the streets and shout, I am unclean, unclean. He would say now, I am clean. That is what our Savior does. He makes those who are unclean, clean. What a wonderful Savior that we have.
And he can do that for your situation too. Maybe this morning you're in a situation where you feel overwhelmed. Jesus wants to reach into your life, meet you where you need to be met. Out of compassion, he identifies with you and wants to meet you where your greatest need is. I'm sure many of us here um, have prayed for healing in our lives, and that's one aspect of it. But I want to encourage you this morning, um, whether Jesus heals or whether he doesn't, what he does do is bring us close to him. He brings us close to him, and he never leaves us or forsakes us. And there will be a day, there will be a day, and says it in Revelations, where he will wipe every tear from our eyes. He will take away every strife that we've ever experienced. He will come and fully restore who we are in him. And in this life, we may not experience that full restoration physically or mentally, but he promises to have compassion on us and to be alongside us and to bring us through with what we need for this life. And you can say with confidence that my God has made me clean and that is enough. But for this man, he's healed of his, of his leprosy. It says in the Bible, immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. Years of decade was reversed, scars and wounds closed, stigma removed. I'm saying that, that our, our, our trust in Jesus is something that happens instantaneously, but it's also something that's progressive. We have to keep trusting in him through life's situations, through life's difficulties but we can say with confidence that God has made me clean and I'm standing on a solid rock. Just as we close, there's a, there's a very interesting part of this passage which, which took me a while to, to try and figure out because um, you would imagine that, uh, that Jesus, after doing such a miraculous healing for this man, would want everyone to know. You know, if Jesus, if I had a skin disease and, and I was, you know, yeah, suddenly someone prayed for me and Jesus came and healed me. I would want everyone to know. But interestingly, in this particular passage, Jesus charges the man sternly. Like the words he uses is not just, uh, by the way, uh, don't mention that to anyone. Um, the words he uses is he charges him sternly not to do something, which is to go and tell everybody what has happened to him. But he says instead, go and show yourself to the priest. Um, and we have to ponder why, why Jesus does that for him. And uh, I, have, I have two things I believe that, that Jesus wanted for the man. Um, this two, well, first reason I think that Jesus didn't want him to tell everyone was because, again, we remind ourselves that Jesus had a message of the gospel. He had good news to tell and to preach to everyone. But I know so often in life, like we do at the moment, we get caught up in, in the show and in the miracles, but we fail to remember that God's purpose is to bring sons and daughters home through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, he healed. Yes, he demonstrated power and authority over sickness and over demons and over uh, people's situations. But first and foremost, he came to preach the gospel and signs and wonders followed after that. So it is for us in our situations. Maybe God will heal us. Maybe he will save us from a situation. But in the midst of that, God wants you to bring good news and to give him glory even in your difficulties, even in your challenges and your illnesses or your sicknesses. I believe with all my heart that God is a God who can make our 
difficult situations is used for his glory. And that's one of the things we sang this morning. You are the sovereign God. Your, your, your purpose for me is still to prosper. And I'm going to trust you to be sovereign even in these difficulty situations that I'm in. So I think that's something that God wants to remind us of, that first and foremost, we are to preach the gospel of good news. And it, signs and wonders will follow, but the signs are the signs. The wonder is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened in this situation. The man went out. He told everyone what happened. He didn't obey Jesus. And what happened was that people could no longer hear the good news preached because Jesus had to withdraw from those places because people were expecting miracles and not the good news. So firstly, Jesus' ministry was hampered because of the man going out to, to tell everyone. I think we should still tell people about Jesus, don't get me wrong, but in this situation, Jesus' ministry was hampered because of the man's, you could say, disobedience. But the second thing I think Jesus wants us to realize is that Jesus has a deeper revelation for us than just healing. Jesus has a deeper revelation for us than just healing. And this is personal for the man. Jesus wanted him to be obviously cleansed, cleansed and be rid of leprosy, but he also wanted the man to be fully restored to society. And this is what the law of Moses said about a man who would be miraculously healed from, from, uh, from leprosy. It says again in Leviticus, where we go back to the law, it says that if a man is healed from leprosy, he is to do this. He is to go through a load of rituals and rites. And this is what it says. It says, the man is to take, go to the priest and be examined. And the priest will look at the man and recognize, oh, your leprosy has left you. Then he's to take two pigeons. You take one, hold it over a bowl full of water. And that pigeon is to die. And his blood is to be collected in the bowl. Secondly, um, the blood of that pigeon is to be taken and put on top and dipped over the second pigeon, covered by the blood. Next, the live bird that is, is still alive and covered with the blood is to be taken to an open field by the man and the priest. And that bird is to be released to new life. And the priest is to declare over the man, you are clean. Now that picture, for a man who of leprosy, for this man here is a picture of what Jesus will do three years maybe from onwards from when, uh, from the present time. We know that Jesus, in this, after about three years of ministry, went and gave, he said at, you know, at the Last Supper, this is my body which is broken for you, and this is my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we know that Jesus willingly went to the cross to bear our sin, to bear our disgrace, to bear our sinful nature on himself. And his blood, body was broken and his blood was shed. And the blood of Jesus, for everyone who puts faith on him, is put over us and we are declared righteous. So for the man, for the leprous man, I believe that this picture of redemption in Leviticus was for him. It wasn't just about his physical healing and his restoration to society. It was about him receiving Jesus, the Savior, the sacrificed Lamb of God for his sin. I can just imagine the time when he'd gone through those, those, those rituals and suddenly he sees, maybe three years on, he sees Jesus on the cross dying for him, his blood shed, and suddenly it clicks. 
this is what it all meant, that Jesus Christ was that bird who was sacrificed for me. I am the other bird who was covered by his blood, and I have been declared clean. Can you see the picture of the kingdom coming out, the law fulfilled, the wonder and majesty and wisdom of our God poured out on this man's life? And I believe that is what he wants for each of us as well. Yes, each of us may be going through trials and challenges, but he also, Jesus wants you to know the depth and the majesty and the beauty and the wisdom and the authority of the blood of Jesus covering over each one of your lives right now. You are secured with him forever if you place your trust in Jesus. Your Father, Father's arms are open wide for you now. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, for he is the king. He has shed his blood. The price has been paid over every one of our lives. And if I, my body breaks down, if I suffer loss, I still praise him because he is covered over every one of my sins. If I'm suffering with relationship difficulties right now, I know I have a sure foundation which I can stand on, a God who secures me in his love and will never let me go. If our children or our people who we love are going through difficult times right now and we don't know what to do, we go to the God who offers us wisdom from on high. We go to the King. We go to our Father. And we say, God, I place all my trust in you for my situation. And I trust you because you said you have compassion for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you over every single person here who has accepted Jesus as their King and their God that they are declared righteous in this place. Nothing in all creation can separate them from you. They are secure because of what you did, Lord Jesus. But God, I also know that in this room this big, that there are people here who are in desperate situations, just like the leper. And I thank you, God, that you are the God of compassion who came down to heaven, from heaven to earth, to live a life alongside us, who reaches down and reaches into our lives and takes hold of us wherever we are. God, I pray that we would know that we can approach you, Father. Your arms are open wide. And you meet us, Lord, in our desperate situations. Lord, I just speak your blessing over my friends this morning. I just speak, Lord God, your peace where there needs to be peace. I speak your hope where there is hopelessness. I speak your joy where there is sorrow. And I pray, Lord God, that you would now, by your Holy Spirit, just touch my friends in a real tangible, personal, and powerful way. I just want to encourage you this morning. Um, we sang a song called Come to the Altar. And uh, as part of our response this morning, I would, I would love us to sing that again. It's an invitation 
for you to come with all that you are, not hiding anything, not pretending to be something, but to come to Jesus to recognize our situations, but to choose with faith, to choose with faith that Jesus, you can. I choose to come to you with all that I am and ask you to be with me in my situations. And as we sing the song, let's just sing it to our Savior. Let's commit our situations to him. And as part of our response also, I want to invite you, if you feel that you need someone to stand alongside you, if you need somebody to pour out compassion, to pour out the compassion of God into your life, then why don't you come up as well and we can pray for you. We don't know your situations. We don't know the depths of what you are going through right now. But all we want to pray for you, we're not trying to hype anything up again. We want to pray for you that Jesus will be the one who just touch, reaches in and touches you where you need. If that's healing, come with faith. If it's restoration or joy, whatever it may be, why don't you come and we'll pray for you this morning.